Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 202 of the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast. I'm Rugby Reg, and I'm your host for the evening and with us tonight. A couple of all-stars alongside us. Matt Rowley, how are you, Matt? Good, mate. Pumped. Excellent. You, you sound particularly pumped. Hugh Cavill, how are you, mate? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm, just, I'm just so fired up, Reg. It's just, it's just exploding from me right here now. You're getting that crease right in those, uh, that shirt you're ironing at the moment, mate, or you're, you've moved on? No, nah, still going. It, it, it's, it's, I really put a lot of effort into it. You know, it, it, it takes me about half an hour a shirt. You've really got to go hard. As European cuffs are really hard. So look, we've got. <laughs> oh, uh, on my, on my, on my Green and Gold rugby salary, um, it's nothing but the finest silks over here. You've got to be careful. <laughs> Excellent, mate. Uh, we've got Bobus in the, uh, the the booth for us again tonight on call, and I guess we'll get to very quickly, but same format as last week, top five burning questions of the week. Uh, I'll run through them now, and then we're going to get into answering or, or trying to get some clarity. First question of the week is, what the hell is happening at the Brumbies? Second question of the week is, seriously, what the actual hell is happening at the Brumbies? Third question is, how ridiculous can these TMO calls be? Uh, fourth is the Reds' financials. What's happening there? Uh, how did that all happen? And fifth, the Waratahs. Are they wobbling or are they going to get back on track? To help us answer those first two questions in particular is the man who's at the heart of everything. Well, maybe not quite the heart, but he's actually covering everything uh, he can for this, particularly is, is, is great to have him uh, on board with us tonight. Chris Blocker-Dutton. Chris, thanks for your time, mate. Thanks for having me. 202 episodes and I finally get a call up. See, something must have actually stirred down in Canberra, hey? <laughs> exactly right. It only takes the most dramatic of events to uh, to get you on, Chris. Well, we should have had you on much earlier. And it's, uh, it's a shame the Brumbies are riding high, but all of a sudden out of nowhere, and, I, and we alluded to it last week's podcast uh, of... Uh, uh, of something happening, but this last, I guess, 48, 72 hours has been astronomical, particularly today. So um, can you give us a bit of an update? What sort of eventuated this lot's happening in this last uh, little period? It's been a pretty crazy time down here. I don't, I don't even know where to start, to be honest, yeah. because there's been so much that has gone under the bridge in the past two days, really, like from... It kind of went from go to low. There was a little bit of murmurings over the weekend, and then all of a sudden um, we had the board meeting last night, which Michael Jones actually called that board meeting, hoping to to get something out of the board in his favour. And he turned up, and, and it actually turned into a little bit of an ambush. They told him to that he to hand in his keys effectively, hand in his laptop, that sort of thing, and and that he was on his way, stood down effective immediately, but not sacked because the club can't afford a payout. Jeez. But the interesting part is when we got to, we woke up today and, you know, there was all this talk that Michael Jones was going to fight fire with fire after an explosive uh, interview on ABC Radio on the weekend. And he, he certainly came out all guns blazing. He took the Brumbies, of all people, to the ACT Supreme Court, went into court, got an injunction against the Brumbies for uh, a breach of contract with his um, dismissal. And he's going to end up turning back up at work uh, on Wednesday morning less than... You know, 48 hours after the, the board told him that he didn't have a job anymore. It's, it's quite cold. 
that is astronomical. Uh, you know, today was just tweet after tweet of of outdoing the previous tweet of of what was happening. Um, take us back. I, I guess let's try and get to the core of what the issue is, um, if we can, uh, Chris. In terms of there seems to be um, almost two significant incidents. The Michael's reaction to the um, the, the property deal, I guess the uh, what the Brumbies invested in terms of uh, a new mm-hmm. training centre at the university and then uh, some sort of uh, uh, relationship breakdown between the university, uh, uh, is it the, the Chancellor or the Vice-Chancellor and, Vice-Chancellor, um, yep. and Michael himself? Yeah, so this kind of stuff has been going on behind the scenes for a long time now. So in, in about the end of November, started when it was... Um, Murmurs that the Brumbies were going to announce a record loss of around $1.6, $1.7 million. Um, it kind of emerged that there was a bit of a rift between um, the Vice-Chancellor of the University, Stephen Parker, and, and Michael Jones. They were no longer speaking. And, you know, on, on the surface, that's nothing. Like, you, you look at that and you say, oh, well, that's nothing. But the kicker is that the Brumbies basically live at the University of Canberra. They're co-tenants, co-investors in a, a $16 million base out there. And also, the university is, is was one of the Brumbies' strongest allies. They um, they were a major sponsor only a couple of years ago, kicking in a lot of money to the club. So that kind of kicked things off. There was this movement before the AGM last year um, from certain sections of the board to have Michael ousted. Um, and all of that stemmed from Australian Federal Police investigation into the sale of of the Brumbies' previous headquarters in Griffith in Canberra um, and their subsequent move to the University of Canberra. So it all came from that. And, and what Michael feels at the moment is he's become a bit of the victim, kind of the guy that's been hung out to dry with no one backing him up. And, and he's been targeted by people who, who perhaps, in his words, are a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit nervous about what's going to come out of that investigation, which is kind of... When you get back to the heart of it, that's the that's the central end to all of this. But and mate, uh, Blocker, when you look at this, um, we've got a poll running on Twitter right now, and it kind of asks, you know, how much of this is this guy's just one loose unit versus this guy's yeah. a, a whistleblower who's being persecuted, um, and then we've got a third option, which is he's actually both. Um, you know, did you see much evidence for him being some, you know, loose units firing off cannons? Um, or is this like, you know, like some sort of thing out of like a, some sort of Boston publishing newspaper whistleblower <laughs> thing? Um, what's your take well, on it? Well, yeah, I saw the poll today. I actually voted on it. I, um, <laughs> I think I voted for, I think I voted for both in the end. Um, it, it, it's quite an interesting one that you say that because, no doubt, and I'm sure Michael Jones will admit this himself, he can be a bit of a loose cannon. Like, he, he fires off shots, he speaks his mind. He was he was brought into the Brumbies to be a bit of an agent of change. He, the, the club had, had not been in a great financial position for a long time. They'd had the one CEO for 10 years or so in Andrew Fagan. So mm. he was brought in to kind of shake things up and with the directive that the board would back him up on that. Um, what's happened is is maybe the board. Oh, this is this is just me thinking out loud. But maybe the board didn't like what he found, or or maybe he ruffled a, a few too many feathers for for the mm. board because Canberra is a small place. So you know, if you, you get offside with one group of people, um, you know, you're, you're offside with a lot of people because 
you know, I know everyone likes to give Canberra a bit of stick that it's boring down here and cold and wet and that sort of thing, but everyone's so tight-knit that you're you're almost in each other's pockets and you know exactly what's going on. So I, I think it's a fantastic poll because I reckon it's a, a bit of both. I'd have to go with a bit of both loose cannon and probably being targeted for being a bit of a whistleblower. So just getting into that then, so, you know, it sounds like so they got this guy in, He's uh, not going to stand for any rubbish. And the first thing he turns over is, what the hell have you guys actually done here? So, you know, you've taken whatever it was, seven, eight million bucks, and you've put it into a 30 years worth of rent, and you've built something that you're not going to own, if, if that's what I understand the deal is. What's the, can you give us some understanding of, if that's the stinky deal, what, where, where, where does it stink? Like, who makes out of this? So is this saying that the Brumbies have basically handed – seven million bucks back to the uh, university and, the, and then what the university gives it back to them in in um, sponsorship or what's the help unpick what that deal could be yeah this is the this is where we get right into the nitty-gritty and mm-hmm. this is why a lot of fans are, are probably pretty confused and angry and frustrated because no one knows with this Australian Federal Police investigation, I've been told that there are only two people that have seen that. That was Michael Jones and the chairman, Robert Kennedy. The board was shown it very briefly before it was taken away by the AFP um, with the KPMG investigations, emails and things like that. And this is why I think a lot of people who are potentially implicated are getting worried because they don't know what's inside this report. They don't know... Um, who's going to be um, up for punishment. They don't know who's going to be thrust in, into the spotlight. And, and that's what um, has caused a lot of angst. At least that's that's the feeling coming out of the Jones camp at the moment anyway. Is mm. It comes back to those people who are a little bit worried because, honestly, I, I don't know what's in I don't know who who is going to be that one who's going to go, geez, I, I really don't want to be mentioned in this. But... That is what is going to come out in the next few days, and that is why it was so important for Jones to get the injunction in court today so he can start to press forward that. He's basically reading between the lines. He's had an absolute gut full of people targeting him, and mm-hmm. he's ready to hit back. And, and his way of hitting back is by making this report public. And so whether that's kickbacks through the building industry, whether that's um, the way the deal was done, because there was a lot of speculation about the the contract agreement with the University of Canberra and a lot of things in that deal that were thrown out there, speculation that might be in there. There was talk that UC, um, the University of Canberra, might have power to veto any major sponsorship deal that the Brumbies were managed to get, which is quite unusual and bizarre and don't know why that would be written in there and things like that. So that's where we're going to get into the intricacies of it all. Sorry, mate, Sorry did, mate. You, did you say that that's coming out? He said he's going to release that over the next few days? Um, that will be, that is part of um, the injunction that he's filed. So I think there's an injunction over that, and that's suppressed for at least the next seven days. And then after that, that could start to come out. And and this is what Jones has been kind of banging on about as well, is he, he almost wants this to go public now to show people that, you know, he's, he's being made a scapegoat. And, and I guess the only way we'll find out is if and, and when that comes out. Isn't this fascinating? I mean, the, 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 when the, the Brumbies signed their sponsorship with the uh, K- 
casino developer mob Aquas or whatever. Who would have thought mm. it was the university was the one that that was potentially in the the midst of all these uh, dodgy deals? But uh, and the casinos are nice and clean. Well, there's, an, oh, mate, there's another one on that though. That's, yeah, there's another one going on with there where there's a guy who's turned up saying that he broke. Oh, that's right. Deal. Yeah. So that that one's not clean either. Yeah. <laughs> not actually a representative, an agent of uh, of Aquas. Yeah, yes. that's right. Like there's things going everywhere at the moment, isn't there? Hey, Blocker, what was the role of uh, Bill Pulver in this? There was stories, reports yesterday that he flew, was flying down to Canberra and, it was, you know, mm-hmm. it was, came, started early, people spotting him at the airport flying down. Um, the, the initial feeling from some was that, okay, the ARU have, have stood in here, but is it correct in saying that he was asked to come down by, was it Kennedy or the board? Yeah, that's 100% right. He was he was asked to come down by the ACT Brumbies chairman, Robert Kennedy, Um Robert Kennedy, Bill Pulver, and the ACT Chief Minister Andrew Barr all met, where I believe um, Jones's future was definitely discussed. The ARU were were quite filthy about the interview that triggered all this on Saturday on ABC Radio, the one mm. with um, Michael Jones, where he basically um, unloaded on everyone within uh, listening distance. Um, they talked about Jones's future, the club's future, whether what the financial position is, and and the understanding out of that is there were assurances given by both the ACT government and the ARU that um, they are willing to help the Brumbies if needed in, ter- in terms of financially. Yeah, even the ACT government, that's great. Uh, mate, what, so what's your feeling? I mean, it's a massive day and I'm sure you're, you're working on minimal sleep and, and whatnot, but where's this going to go? What do you think, what's going to be the resolution to this? You know, you know what, that is one of the hardest questions I've had to answer today because... I don't know. I, like, yeah. I woke up this morning, um, you know, I thought, you know, it'll be a big day. The Brumbies and Michael Jones will come to an agreement and they'll go their separate ways. Someone will sign a non-disclosure agreement, there'll be a payout, and that'll be it. The club will move forward. The problem is now is that Michael Jones doesn't want to go anywhere. He's got this injunction. It's in court again next week. This court case is going to drag out over months. So... The original plan for the Brumbies was to have it done if they were going to indeed part ways with Michael Jones. The original plan was to have it done before the team got back from their trip to Perth and South Africa so that it didn't kind of affect the morale around Canberra or the team or things like that. So my gut feel is we're in for a long one. It's either going to go one or two ways in my my eyes. It's going to drag out over months and months and we're not going to get a resolution for a long time, there's going to be a lot of mud thrown around Canberra and, and Australian rugby circles because it extends beyond the Brumbies, or we're going to have a resolution in the next couple of days and the parties will come to a quick agreement. Um, it will be decided that it's untenable because how can it work? If a, Imagine that if a, a board said, look, mate, sorry, you've got to go home today. You stood down indefinitely. We're not sure whether you're the man for us. And then the next day, isn't it work? How, how does Michael Jones want to work with the board and how does the board want to work with Michael Jones? It's, it's just a bizarre situation. Mate, the Brumbies won a premiership when the players weren't talking to the coach. Surely this is just the next step, the CEO not talking to the board. It's logical, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we'll wait and see, eh? Hey? Yeah, I tell you, I tell you what, the QAU looking for a CEO. Maybe Michael wants to come up to sunny Queensland. Well, you know, he, he, he might like... I think he's got a holiday home up there at the Gold Coast, so maybe ah, he will. This is sounding very convenient. 
<laughs> Look, um, Blocker, we're going to leave it there, mate. Really appreciate your time, and, and it's been fas- fascinating following the story uh, from yourself this last uh, 24, 48 hours, and we look forward to seeing it continue to unroll. Too easy. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Thanks, right, mate. mate. Thanks, man. We'll speak to you soon. See ya. Uh, big thanks to, to Blocker Dutton there, who, as I said, have been, has been working his bum off covering this story. Look, he alluded to this interview with ABC Radio and Michael Jones on the weekend. We've got a couple of snippets uh, we want to hear from. First and foremost is Michael's interpretation of that property deal. And then when he gets a little bit looser, as Matt suggests, uh, talking about uh, the impending war. So let's have a listen to those. Yeah, we're a tenant there. Um, the Brumbies, rightly or wrongly, invested, uh, you know, close on $7 million in the facility there. Um, when you say rightly or wrongly, what do you mean by that? Oh, it, it, Was it too much money that you paid for it, do you think? Well, the Brumbies' you know, financial position is that it made losses 10 of the last 11 years and uh, to invest the large proceeds of the sale of their only asset you know, immediately into prepaid rent for 30 years and to buy a new facility that they don't own any equity in um, and that there is no recourse to actually ever get that money back. Um, you'd have to sort of go, is that a clever decision? And I just look at that having been, you know, worked as a, an investment banker and various things and go, hmm, that's an interesting call. Mm. And if it, you know, persists, it's not a valve bet, it's a very real threat. I only know how to, to act and that is you can't fight half a war. So if I go to war, it's going to be ugly and there's going to be a lot of people who are going to get burnt by it. But I desperately don't want to do that. So how about that, mate? Some uh, pretty astounding uh, comments by Michael there, and that just that just started this week in an absolute bizarre manner. Yeah, it did. And like as we were talking about with Blocker, I guess the bit here to try and figure out is how much is this guy? He's uncovered a complete you know viper's nest of shady deals. Um, and I guess he look. We just all we can do is read what we've. Or you know, read into what we've heard, right? And I'm sure there's going to be more coming out um, by the sounds of things over the next week or so. But you know, it kind of looks like he got down there, lifted off the lid of, or opened up the filing cabinet, had a bit of a look through, and said, "Hang on a minute, what's this about?" And just you heard that snippet there of him describing that deal, um, which sounds quite, you know, sounds to me. I don't work in this, this, you know, in that industry, but it sounds, mm. a, it sounds pretty bizarre. Um, yeah. That you, that you basically get yourself seven million, and, you know, in a sale of something, and then basically just um, ship it straight away. That was the bit I never understood: how the Brumbies could possibly be nigh on broke when they, you know, sold the family silver only two years ago. Yeah, exactly. So, so it sounds to me like he's done that. And, and uh, there were some interesting things in the paper today where they were saying that actually this deal that the Brumbies put together, or that was put together, um, the Brumbies lawyer actually advised them not to sign it said, don't, you know, this is, you know, for whatever reason, you shouldn't put your pen to paper. So there's obviously all sorts of things that are questionable about this deal in one way or the other. And so you can imagine for those people who are on the board, who've obviously sanctioned it, and you would imagine the past, the last CEO who was there and put the whole deal together, there must be some pretty nervous people, um, especially when you know the AFPs together. So anyway, whether... um, you know, Jones is a loose cannon or not, and I think actually um, the by far the majority of our respondents to our poll had said that yes, uh, one way or another, either he was just a loose cannon or he was a a, um, a, a loose cannon as well as um, you know a bit of a, a scapegoat. Um, 
you know, it's it's well, it's it's just pretty breathtaking, isn't it? You, you've uh, you know you've listened to Blocker and you've I guess listened to that radio snippet and, and seen a bit in the media. What's what's your feel on all this? It's it's pretty amazing. Oh, this is this is such a tough one, Reg, and I honestly don't know what to think. I mean, Chris Dutton's a, is a really sharp writer, a really good journal, and and even he seems a bit a bit you know not confused, but unsure as to where Flexed. it's going to go, and and. And, um, yeah, because I think the thing is it, it's not, you know, normally with rugby, in, you know, we're used to having Bill Pulver versus Brett Papworth or, um, you know, Greg Harris versus the Western Force or, you know, two sides to an issue and it's easy to argue, you know, either white or black. And this one doesn't seem, you know, we know um, we've got um, Stephen Jones on one side, Steve, um, and Michael I don't Jones, know who's yeah. on the other side. Michael Jones, sorry. Um, I don't know who's on the other side. I don't even know who's on the Brumbies board. I've just done some Googling and I can't find it on their website. I can't, you know, who's on the Brumbies board? I don't even know, um, you know, who who's on the other side of this. And, you know, there's some, you know, Andrew Fagan might be involved in some previous administrations, might be involved in the university, might be involved. And, you know, there's there's so many dimensions to it. The federal police are in there as well. And now we're finding it out in the courts. I mean, it, it, it's... It's such a tough one, and all I can do at the moment is sit back and sit back and kind of watch the feathers fly and hope, hope that you know something settles down that I can understand. Because, uh, yeah, it's I don't know, Reg. It's it's one of the most complex sort of issues that I've 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 seen in Australian rugby, and and it's so hard to work out who's in the right and who's in the wrong. Yeah, look, I don't know what else more we can say other than God, hold on to your you know. Great tales because this is going to go on for a little while. Um, I'm fascinated by the Bill Pulver and the ACT government supporting the Brumbies board on this one financially because on the face of it, it sounds like there's all sorts of trouble with that deal and how things have handled and, and how they're getting rid of Jones. But then still the ACT government and, and Bill Pulver coming in support of the, the board. It's just there's so much more to come out of this, I'm sure. Well, yeah. that was the tidbit in that Chris Dutton interview. It was, it was that Andrew Barr, the chief minister, was, was in yeah. the meeting. I mean, imagine if Mike Baird or, or Anastasia Palachuk was, yeah. was sitting in on a meeting with, with the Waratahs or the Reds. It's just remarkable. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Palachay, mate. Palachay. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, it's an incredible story and, and unfortunately doesn't do justice to the Brumbies and their performances so far this year, sitting on top of the conference. Um, but, um, you know, we'll watch with interest and maybe get Blocker on another couple of weeks or something to see the latest update, but there's no doubt we will miss it. But what a what a situation when Michael Jones is going to turn back up to work uh, tomorrow morning despite being told to hand in his keys, uh, you know, less than 12, 12 hours ago. Um, well, he's, he's, he's almost doing a Costanza, isn't he? Just turning back <laughs> up to work after <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant that's brilliant absolutely um all right let's um let's move on uh, without wanting the brumbies to, to hog the uh the, the limelight here but can we talk about tmo calls for a second did we see this one between the uh the, the stormers and the brumbies the the dilla leads try um try no try hugh did he get a chance to see this one yeah, I think this is a, this is one of those classic examples, and you see them from time to time with the TMOs. Is just when they slow it down to such slow, slow motion that you lose all reality, you know. And all of a sudden, these blatant knock-ons 
start to look like, oh, maybe, maybe the, actually there was, there was some sort of control over it. And, and, um, oh, look, it's ridiculous. And, 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 that we still end up in these situations, but but we do every you know every six months or so. There's a there's a call like this, and and mm-hmm. look, the Brumbies deserve to lose that game. They're their own worst enemies, but uh, still, it it doesn't. It's not a great look for the competition, is it? I mean, it, that wasn't the only call in there that game. In that game, though, the the other one where again Yonker, the the TMO got involved, was where Paper got himself tied up in a knot about. Um, Oh, the replacement hooker um, who got the red card. Josh uh, Man Ray. Yeah, Josh Man Ray. And they got themselves tied up in knots about, you know, whether um, – so they said, look, we, we can see that you've punched the guy, so that's a yellow card. But if you've connected with your elbow, it's a mm. red card, right? Mm. So obviously boxing is okay, but, you know, M- you know, MMF or was it mixed martial arts or whatever, MMA isn't okay because if you kind of follow through with the with the elbow, that's a different level for some reason. But so then they went back and watched it and you could clearly see he didn't hit him with his elbow. Um, I, think he, he, I think he missed his punch, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, they were kind of a couple of little jabs, you know. Look, anyway, you know, first question is what was Man Ray doing? Um, I've no doubt that he was kind of, you know, he was responding to something, and a lot of people are saying if you kind of wind the the footage back, you'll see um, Ebenezer Beth's involved at some stage. But anyway, Man Ray was clearly in the wrong. You just can't stand up and start belting somebody these days um, with that many cameras on you. But anyway, yet again, Yonkers got involved and goes, "Yes, there was an elbow when there wasn't," yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. resulting in a red card. It was it was really really bizarre. Just going back to what you said there, there though. Um, uh, Baba, about, you know, in real time. There was a Kiwi game about uh, two weeks ago where they got the TMO involved um, because it was, there was, it was in the sort of scoring of a try. And there was actually like a little knock-on. If you slowed it down as the guy went to pick up the ball, there was this little knock-on. And the TMO came back and said um, it wasn't a knock-on in real time. What? Yeah. Actually came back. I'll, I'll dig it through my tweets to find the match. But he actually said... If you slowed it right down, you could see that the guy had just jiggled the ball a little bit with his finger at, and then picked it up. And he said, in real time, it wasn't a knock-on. And I was like, I've never heard that one before. Like, <laughs> it is or it isn't. So, I don't know. They're all over the shop. I think Sanzar's got a real problem on their hands um, with what's happening at the moment. Mate, we need a bunker. We need a bunker like the NRL. Um, <laughs> So that that was the Brumbies. Uh, that was, I guess, the last Aussie game of the weekend, going down thirty-one eleven to the Stormers. Um, it sees them remain, they, you know, they're remaining on top of the Aussie Conference on thirteen points, but sitting alongside them now. And this comes to my our next burning question, which is more a question without notice to you, lads. I didn't mention it in the intro, but out of respect for the Rebels, bonus had, question. Yep, yeah, bonus question. Out of thirty-five nine win over the Sunwolves. Um, the Rebels are now sitting equal top as well with a, a four and three record, and their travel schedule has been pretty damn demanding, um, flying all across uh, uh, Australia and and now uh, into Asia. Um, they're sitting on thirteen points as well. Hugh, what's your thinking of the Rebels? Is this uh, indicative of where we think they'll end up? I, I hope it is. I, I really hope they threaten the top of the table this year. I'm not sure they've got the um that class edge, but I think this is the year that, that we were all hoping that they'd push up into that sort of final spot, that second take, you know, challenge for that second spot in the Australian conference. And, and the evidence so far suggests they will. Um, 
I thought their performance against the Southern Wolves was really good. It was it was almost a make or break because you felt if they lost that game, you know, with what looked pretty winnable on paper, that that it might all start to fall off and and the demanding schedule might take its toll. But they came out in that second half and they really you know put some really good tries on. And actually, that was what they needed to do against the Reds, but couldn't. That that sort of execution in the opposition twenty two that 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 sort of they they lacked. Uh, against the Reds, and it came good against the Sunwolves. And and a guy like Tom English has, has found a bit of form, and Tamati Ellison's such a crucial player in that side, and having him back has made the world of difference too. And, you know, Jack Debrasini's um, finding some form, so, you know, they've got Nick Sturzaker to come back as well. Um, so, you know, if they can string together a couple more wins and really get that self-belief, then, then I, th- I think the sky's the limit for them. Yeah, interesting. Uh, it was a pretty clinical performance, and I, I, I like watching the Sunwolves. They play some good rugby, but um, uh, you know it was closer, uh, maybe in the first half than it than it looked. But um, the Rebels did sort of manage to step it up. Matt, did you get to see this one? Nice afternoon game, Saturday Arvo. I managed to pick up um, the, the second half of it, um, and yeah, I mean there was some pretty interesting stuff sort of going on. I, I guess my only question with the Rebels. I think is, I mean, it's great to see them doing well. I think we talked about in an earlier podcast. I was hoping this was going to be the year that maybe they step up. Um, I hope they keep proving me wrong. I just want, I still wonder if they've got that fragility, you know, that ability mm. to have a big blowout here and there, um, you know, that inconsistency. And, you know, that's anything that can, you know, any time can tell whether they've managed to get, whether they managed to get through that or not. Yeah, indeed. And we'll, we'll, they'll be fully tested flying home to take on the Highlanders this weekend. Uh, which will be uh, a monster. That'll really be a testing for them. Um, it just before we go on the next question, I guess it's worth noting the uh, the Canes had a big win over the Force, forty-one to six. Not much, not many questions asked by the Force in that game, nor do they deserve any questions asked as part of these burning questions. Um, the next one is about the Reds. Now, look, the Reds had an improved performance with a twenty-five all draw. We might touch on that soon, but the big news out of that same day was the release of the Reds' financials. Um, and the AGM, and there's a few uh, positional changes on the the board and whatnot, and uh, we know the CEO is leaving, but the financials that were released, Matt, and there's a pretty uh, decent article on our website released today, um, pretty damning from the Reb's perspective, don't you think? Yeah, well, look, um, we managed to get our resident sort of uh, forensic analyst, uh, financial analyst on it, Skip, he had a little bit of a, a tear through the numbers. I mean, you, we're comparing because I think they changed their reporting times so yeah. um, to, to October to kind of align with the season. So we're yep. comparing all of 2015 up until October against 10 months in 2014. But I mean, I think the differences between and some of the areas are so stark, it's kind of hard to not see, not to be able to draw those comparisons. I mean, basically, the Reds had gone out earlier and said, "Look, you know, we've had a 1.5 million buck loss, but it'll be okay." Actually, what they've done there is they've ignored depreciation which you can't really do. So their real loss, I think, is closer to, was it 2.2 million? About that, yeah. Um, um, so that's a big, big turnaround when I think actually um, it was, what, just 300,000 from the year before? Yep. Um, so, you know, that, that's a big delta. Now, what we've acknowledged in the uh, in the article that Skip wrote was that there were a few things there, like I think the QR, the Queensland government tugged 500 grand 
Feds uh, government, federal government, yeah. Federal, yeah, yeah, for support for Indigenous programs and things like that. So there were a few things um, that didn't bounce the Reds' way, but then there's these these expenditure lines um, that you just kind of go, what the? Um, so, um, you know, there's the uh, Reds' team's expenses up one and a half million bucks. You can only assume that that's where they kind of pulled out the checkbook for the likes of Jocks and Carmichael Hunt. There was also actually, there's a very strange paragraph in the report which i think was the note from the ceo where i think he's talking alluding to how they supported i'm guessing because they don't really say carmichael hunt um and i'm assuming that might have been during his you know the the, the legal troubles he was in yeah. with the joe's drug allegation so i'm not really sure if that's what carmichael's trying to say was that we also blew a wad of cash on that but anyway red's team expenses were up 1.5 million bucks in a year so that's pretty eye-watering Game development and operations, um, that was up 1.1 million bucks. I mean, Reg, have you got an idea what kind of goes in that section? Yeah, mate. I mean, that's all the all the grassroots, and I suspect that's where one a few of our regions, Gold Coast, I think, Man Isa Mackay uh, had some fairly significant financial challenges last year, and I think the QRU stepped in to help out there. So I'm assuming that's where that would be captured. That's probably where that um, Indigenous programming. So the funding got cut. QIU committed to the program, so I'm sure that was probably there as well. Um, yeah, so that's that's probably what you're thinking of there. And I think they even took on a bit more of a burden of, of some other junior competitions as well. So, But then, uh, the, next, yeah. but then the next one that you've got to put together um, is corporate and Ballymore. And, you know, in, in, anyone, in any balance sheet, this is the one that everyone kind of zones in on because this is, you know, usually that word largesse goes behind corporate and um you know between corporate is you know an extra eight hundred and seventy three thousand dollars spent over in 2015 another 140 grand spent on Ballymore over and above what had been spent in uh, 2014 so between those things you've got another million bucks um that you're finding because basically there was a blowout in the expenditure line of about four million bucks um which 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 got us there and you know there's lots of stories about um you know how many times do they you know has Ballymore and and the the offices there have been kind of renovated and how 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 shining is the the the, um, the boardroom and all these sorts of things and how shine it sh- how shiny should it be um, in a club that's now obviously got a, a blowout in his expenditure line. Yeah, and it's interesting if you just see in the notes the the um, at the end of the annual report that uh, mentions the the going concern and and. Um, I guess expresses some very real concern as to whether it is a going concern, and the the, the board uh, is satisfied that it is, but purely on the basis of the increased funding from the ARU, from the TV rights deal, and a renegotiated loan with St George. So um, it is concerning times. It's it's handy to have a bank as a sponsor, I guess. Yeah, well, but I mean, you, you put this together with. You know, look, there's basically three clubs. So yeah. look, only four of them are, are basic are um, are independent. So one of them's obviously owned um, by I forget the guy's name down in Melbourne. So that's kind of privately owned. So obviously that's drilling a hole in his pocket. Yep. Um, you know, of the other four, you've got the Waratahs, and look, I know the Waratahs would have been in trouble if they hadn't made those semis the last couple of years. So we'll see what happens this year. And then we've we've been told we know the force are in trouble, and actually, I heard whispers at the Waratahs that we haven't heard the the the, the full, you know, kind of uh, the, the the full story there yet, and that that's that could be quite an eye opener. We've just heard that the Brumbies are in 
have been in big, big trouble and we're waiting to see whether they can be turned around. And then we've heard this about the Reds. This is, it's, it brings you to the question of, and maybe this is a burning question for another night, is, is Super Rugby bust? Is it broken as yeah. a comp? I think we're going to hear about that. And the ARU, uh, I think, have their own concerns and have, have uh, commissioned, I think, uh, Accenture uh, to do an analysis or an audit, I guess, of all the Super Rugby clubs. Um, I don't know whether that will include the Rebels. Hopefully they'll get some data because they, I think they're legitimately concern, concerned about uh, their current status and as they should be. Uh, you don't want to be spending all this money that we've gained for the code on paying off debts. We want to be growing the game. Mm. Um, we're going to... Oh, look... I'm not going to move off the Reds. I just want to mention their, their performance on the weekend, 25-all versus the Blues. Um, you know, in a, in a, a period when we've, uh, we've, we've struggled to enjoy anything, this, is, um, this was a, a good match. Or it looked like we were going to win. We we're, were down early like we were with the Rebels last, uh, last week. Um, and, uh, but we fought back. Um, and, and I guess it was only uh, uh, the Blues got a penalty in the last minute of the game, less than, um, less than that. Um, and they opted, uh, you know, that it looked like the players wanted to go for the try, want to go for the win, um, but the word came down from the coach, Tano Marga, to take the goal and, and go for the draw, which was, I guess, a shame result for the game, but some may say a deserving end. But, look, Rebel, uh, Reds looked a lot better and, and most impressively scored three great tries and three really enjoyable tries. One from a midfield kick and a, uh, yeah, you call it fluky, regather from Chris Foyas or Tia, but he, he showed some gas and actually went away from the defender as opposed to running into him uh, and scored a try. But two cracking tries, heavily involved from Eto Nabuli, the big Fijian winger. So um, fantastic to see him running. And, and uh, hopefully it's uh, a sign of more improvement because I think this was reported as a 14,000 crowd. Um, hopefully these crowd numbers pick up because as we see in those financials, they need all the money they can get at the moment. But um, mm. some heartening displays there from the Reds and obviously a big game this weekend versus the Waratahs. Um Let's uh, my next burning question, guys, which is about the Waratahs, your beloved Waratahs. I'm going to sit back. The Waratahs went down <laughs> 30 to 26 on the weekend. Um, look, let's let's. I want to ask the question broadly about the Waratahs and are, are they on track or are they off track? But also about this game. Does that score flatter them, or um, considering that the 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 land has got away quite big early, it's only a bit of a late comeback on the back of Jed Holloway. Um, you know, where do you feel, Hugh? What about you on those? Start with the match question first, and then tell me about how you feel the Waratahs are tracking this season. Oh, uh, look, I think the scoreline was probably about right. I mean, the Highlanders didn't have much of the ball, and, and they played in 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 a, their sort of style of pinning, trying to pin the Waratahs down and play without the ball and and strike where they can and and strike they did in that first half. And to get out to thirty nil was quite remarkable, and some very very soft defence from the Waratahs and some some um, pretty poor skills um, at set piece as well um, led to their downfall. But in the end, the, the comeback was pretty rousing. And and if they had managed to pull it off, which they did look like doing for a split second at the in the second half there in the last five minutes, then it's probably a triumphant victory and everyone's saying their season's on track. Um, as it is, they feel just short and, and it's probably a bit um, – it's a probably a bit – demoralizing for them and it's a bit of a blow but um uh, you know talking to that wider question and i'm sure you know matt will have something to say as well but 
you know, I, I, I suppose I draw draw some people back to the fact that in in 2014, the Waratahs were four and four, um, and looking you know very very shaky at that point of the season. So I think it's a long season. I, I don't think I'm ready to put the pen through them just yet. Um, and and but certainly you know can they win the comp? Uh, I I don't really think so. But can they make a deep finals run? I still think that's 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 possible. They just can get into a bit of a rhythm and, and iron out some of these kinks and get a few wins up, then then um, certainly they can do it. But, uh, yeah, need to get a little bit of momentum going early, though, and starting with the Reds. If they lose to the Reds, then <laughs> then it is really, you know, panic stations at that point, I think. Don't laugh about the fact they may lose to the Reds. You... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> stop it. You can't yeah. stop, can you? Well, it makes them three, one and three, and then, yeah. then you know, that, more from a statistical standpoint than necessarily the fact that the Reds, you know, even though they are improving, they still probably should be putting them away, um, even at, even at Suncorp. So, yeah, there's, there's a few dimensions to that one, but certainly it's not in their interest to be losing that game. All right, Matt, what about you, mate? Yeah, look, I, this is an interesting game. I had to go back. I mean, I was at the match on. Uh, Friday night, and then I um, had to rewatch it just to understand what the hell happened in the second half. Is that because um, the view from the chairman's box isn't that good? Yeah, I was going to say, all well, the, the the pinos were going down really well, and just just got a bit blurry in that second half. They did, yeah. The the the, the big the big uh, pinot glass I had, I couldn't see over the top of it. Um, <laughs> And I had a really good chat actually uh, with Bob Dwyer, who I bumped into um, in the uh, corporate hospitality area just beforehand. Um, so that was really tough as well to have to have it done. <laughs> this, this podcast is becoming the Matt Rowley name drop challenge, isn't it? Just every week. Uh, I was chatting last week to, <laughs> to <laughs> Jackman about this, actually. <laughs> we need to get a sound effect for that, probably. But um, <laughs> look, uh, yeah, so in, in rewatching it, um, look, I just think it, it was fairly simple stuff, I guess. I mean, I think the Highlanders really came out and they managed to play that, you know, two things. One was their line speed was excellent, if not constantly offside. Depends how you want to look at it. But I think, you know, to be f- fair, it was probably, you know, right on the edge and they pushed that really, really well and uh, made life difficult for the Tars, resulting in unforced errors and, and those sorts of things. Um, I think also the, the Highlanders, they brought that same game that they brought from that semi-final last year. They just dusted that off and said, right, you guys can play out of your own half um, because we know you can't kick your way out, so you're going to have to run your way out. We'll have great line speed. We'll push push you into errors and we'll score, and which, and, you know, which they did. And then when the, and the Highlanders, they had that, thing that happens sometimes with those especially with the Kiwi teams when every kick bounces the right way, every pass goes to hand, da 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 and it just worked and we got torn apart in the first half. Um, and then I think in the second half, a lot of people have been talking about just the energy that the um, bench managed to put in, you know, Jed Holloway coming off the bench. Where has he come from? This, this is quite an amazing season the that he's having. NRC, mate. That's where he came from. Well, exactly. Um, so, and, and I think he's actually been training with the Tars for something like yeah. three or four years. So, yeah, it's not like he hasn't been working his way towards it. Um, and then, uh, you know, he came off the bench, scored three hat three tries or a hat trick of tries off the bench first time ever for the Tars. So, but look, I think that, 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 um, those new legs and young legs made a big, big difference. Um, the passes started to stick, a bit of confidence came back. And before you know, before you knew it, they're only like, you know, four points away. I know a lot of people have said, Oh, that's surely got to be the death knell for the likes of Cliffy Parlow and stuff. But, you know, I think actually, again, a lot of those guys put a lot of effort into the first half, which meant that the Highlanders just couldn't keep up that line speed throughout the match. So, and I think that's what led us back in. 
what does this mean for the Tars going forward overall? I kind of there's two ways of reading this. You know, we've had two bizarre matches, I think, from the Tars. One was the Brumbies, where you know at half they played like drains, and at halftime it was still eight all, and actually it only blew out at the end. You've got to say they were in sniffing, and then again with this match. Um, and it's you know it's, so there's a bit of a wobble going on there, and the question just is: Is it going to be a wobble that gets the season into gear? Or is it a wobble that's going to be just completely fall apart? And I probably if they got some of the wrong injuries, you could see them falling apart. But I think actually for a team that's got a lot of young guys in it, um, they're showing some play. You know um, where they're putting some of the best in the business, the Brumbies and, and the Highlanders. Um, you know, into you know, in difficult places, and you you bring Foley back, for example, which who I think they were really missing on on Friday night, and they could go places, which I don't think many of us were expecting this year. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think this weekend's matchup will be pretty fascinating. Um, one of the Red Soul um, strengths has been their scrum, and again, it was it was dynamite against the Blues on Saturday night. Um, and it is the exact weak point of the Waratahs. Um, that scrum just ain't working. So how big an impact that will have on the game, we don't know. Um, it'll be hot and humid Saturday after, uh, Sunday afternoon up here, Easter Sunday. Um, that will be some trying conditions, potential locks, uh, drop ball. There is a storm predicted. So who knows what that will have on the game. The Reds line out was was fairly poor or um, at least uh, the Blues read it very well. So from that set-piece perspective, it's not all beer and skittles from the Reds, but uh, it shapes up to be a fascinating encounter this weekend and, and really quite significant. And it's, it's um, you know, obviously more significant for the Waratahs from a season perspective, but in saying that, the Reds get up, you know, they'll be, they'll be um, ahead of the Tars on the ladder and... Um, quite potentially sneaking into third spot there. So we'll see what happens. It, uh, it should be a, a pretty significant encounter. Um, let's have a look at those other games for the next round, just so we uh, touch on. Hurricanes are taking on the Kings on Friday afternoon, then a big day Saturday whereby the Chiefs host the Force uh, over there in New Zealand. Hugh, any hope for the Force? They uh, they got done pretty easily last weekend. Uh, I would suggest the Chiefs will will uh, will do it again. Matt, what do you think about this game? The uh, the, the Chiefs and the Force. Um, any match involving the Force, I'm going to struggle with. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the moment, uh, look, I know that kind of blew out against the Canes. I didn't see much of that match, but just a look, you know. I love the Force fans because the amount of – they probably you know, they probably have a, you know, more sort of passion than many other fans around Australia because um, – and, geez, it gets put to the test. Um, oh, God, yeah. I mean, you know, because I just find it – I just have a real struggle watching anything they do um, with a match. It just, you know, they bring good teams down to, to rabble that you don't want to watch. Um, so, anyway, uh, look um, – so what is it, who is it? It's them against the Chiefs, is it? Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen the Chiefs this year. What are they looking like? Uh, they're on top of the log. All right, there you go. Well, yeah. no, the, the force will make them struggle a bit, but they'll win. There you go. Yeah. Um, Hugh, thoughts on the Chiefs force? Sorry, Reg, I had my microphone muted before, just just being a good podcast. Just just doing the columns. Yes, but I uh, just kind of forgot to take it off mute. I gave some great analysis, though, though here to, to <laughs> no one in particular. Um, I don't know if I can repeat that, but... Um, yeah, I was going to say the, uh, the the Hurricanes game was actually 
pretty close up until about the 50th yeah. minute. Um, and then it just played out in the end, and I'd, I'd probably predict a, a pretty similar effort as, as much. Just said the force will make them work, but, but probably don't have the firepower to uh, to get them in the end, no pun intended. Yeah, I think it's that, that impact off the bench now. Yeah, they're now losing a few players, John O'Lance uh, in particular, and so Pete Grant will start. Um, but with John O gone for a fair time, it's just indicative of that, that impact from the bench, unfortunately, not quite working. Um, so next match straight after that, the Rebels uh, in Melbourne hosting the Highlanders. The Highlanders uh, sitting second on their conference, same as the Rebels. They're both on similar results, four and three. Um, Hugh, what do you reckon? Do you reckon the Rebels can back, uh, back up? They've been flying across the, the globe, but back at home this weekend. I don't know, to be honest. It'd be really interesting to see. You think the travel would take its toll, uh, and the Highlanders are a really good side, the defending champions. I think they might have a class edge on this game, but uh, I, I hope the Rebels can, can get up and keep their momentum going, because if they win this one, well, geez, it sets their season up so beautifully. So um, I'm tipping the Highlanders, but I'll be cheering cheering for the Rebels. What about you, Matt? Yeah, ditto. Yeah, I think I'll probably be similar, I think. I'll tip the, exactly. I think tip the Highlanders, but I hope the Rebels get up. Sunwolves host again. They host the Bulls before late on Saturday night. The Cheetahs host the Brumbies. Brumbies, I tipped them last week. I thought they'd do better. They toured pretty well, um, but uh, they obviously went down. They're facing the Cheetahs, who have won just the one game so far. Um, and uh, I think against the Sunwolves in that first game, if I can recall. But uh, feelings here, Matt. Uh, yeah, good chance for the Brumbies. They've lost oh, yeah. Jared Butler, but Itavea comes back. You'd have to think they'd be fucking pissed yeah. <laughs> from, from last weekend, wouldn't you? Um, yeah, the, and the Cheetahs have only won once, like you said. So, look, yeah, I'm going uh, to you know, say the Brumbies can do this one. Although they've already, I think the Brumbies have also lost Henry Spate, haven't they, for like eight, yeah, eight, eight, eight weeks, weeks or something. Yep. Um, there's a... Uh, a picture of, there's a, of or an X-ray of his skull that he's basically fractured. Um, it's like a broken eye socket um, on our Facebook page. So um, you can have a look at that. But, um, yeah, he did that on Leofano's head, I think. They had a bit of a, a head clash there, and he properly smashed it. So, anyway, he's out for a couple of months. Not good. Hugh, what do you reckon, mate? Can the uh, Brumbies uh, overcome these injuries? Yeah, I think they should be able to. The Cheetahs are a good side, but probably you know, have lost a couple of their bigger names from previous years. And, and um, I think they'll, it'll be a close game, but, but I'm tipping the Brumbies. All right, Sharks will then host the Crusaders um, over in South Africa and then the Jaguars host the Stormers, which I think should be a pretty cracking encounter that um, the Jaguars have only won the one game but and the Stormers have won three. But I, I, I've got to hope for that being a, a good game. Jaguars play some tremendous footy um, uh, so far this season. This season, the Jaguars obviously just lost to the Chiefs. So uh, shapes up for a good one. But before the big one, on uh, 4 o'clock kickoff on Sunday afternoon, uh, this will be fascinating as much as what happens off the field, I think. Um, Scrubber or someone, uh, Scoey might have been a great, a great post on the forum about, you know, the fours and against of this game. It's, you know, it's a afternoon game, which is great, but it's on Easter weekend, which is poor, and it's the, you know, the Reds-Waratahs, which is always a great encounter, but, um, you know, we we never been the Waratahs in so many times. So, so much intrigue about this game. Um 
It is a big one. I mean, I, there's no really point asking you guys who you're going to tip, but um, <laughs> are you hopeful of it being a, you know, a quality game or you think it might descend into another traditional dour local derby, Matt? Well, I think you guys are going to try and suck it down into that. Um, so Mate, we're, into, we're, into you comment. obviously didn't watch last week's game. We are... Back to our attacking glory, mate. No tries or tries scored from 50 metres out, 40 metres out. Yeah. No, no, but just to say, as you were pointing out yourself, our scrum's no great shakes. Yep. Um, And, um, you know, I think that last time we kind of um, came up against each other earlier this year, that seemed to be the the plan, um, uh, which was to turn it into some sort of a scrum battle. Um, I don't think that can decide the whole thing. That's pretty tough for a match to do that. Um, but look, if and I haven't seen the, the Reds match from last weekend, uh, if that attack is coming together, maybe, but the Tars still look pretty damn good in their, in their pattern and their shape. Um, and I think they're going to open up some holes um, through the Reds like they did last time. And I think also that Tars pack in the loose, especially around the back row, probably just have the edge. Um, so look, I think the Tars, you know, not just saying that, uh, from a partisan perspective, probably should do it. Um, but um, I was interested in your reports on the weather. If it is an absolute shocker, who knows? Yep. Hugh, thoughts? Oh, man, if, if, if you're wishing for a uh, an open, free-flowing game, I think you'll be disappointed. It's an Australian derby, after all, and, and I think history's taught us that these nine times out of ten are, are, are pretty dry sort of games. That said, you know... I hope well, it does break out. Some of us made it so we have to have so many more, <laughs> so many more of them. <laughs> we get to have more and more with with these competition structures, eh? I'm pretty sure, Matt. And and look, I, I don't don't want to sound like the fact checker here. We actually under the Super 18, we have less derbies than oh. we did before. Okay. Um, yeah, we don't don't have the pure home and away against them all, do we? Yeah, yeah. So so we have less. But look, either way, I, I think the Waratahs will be out. Um, to try and continue the streak here. But to be honest, I, I think the Queenslanders are going to make this a really tight game, a really close game, and I think that set piece should, shouldn't be understated. I think that scrum, you know, they should have a pretty steady flow of penalties and possession through that, through that set piece. And, and if they can make it count better than they did in round one, then I think they've got the game there for the taking. I think the Tars have got a class edge with Bernard Foley coming back, and that'll get them over the line. But Certainly wouldn't surprise me to see Queens don't get the biscuits. Yeah, it'd be interesting those players returning. Foley back for the Tars. Um, Rumours are that Gill and Slipper will be back for the Reds. Um, both spent Friday afternoon grappling with each other, as reported in the paper. So I don't know what that means, but by all reports, it was positive. Um, Gilly, you would suggest, will come straight back into the starting team. Slipper might have to make his way from the bench, considering the strength of our scrum anyway, and he has been out for a lot longer. But uh, they're pretty significant from our perspective, Gill in particular, because if there's one man we need to nullify, it's Michael Hooper. So, yeah, I think you're right, boys. I think this will be a much improved performance by the Reds in that first round and I think it'll be a cracking occasion. So um, lots to look forward to this weekend as per usual. And uh, as I say, grassroots footy is happening. Uh, The Shoot Shield kicked off this past weekend. 
Queensland Premier Rugby hit round two. Um, and I should just, you know, this is more relevant for the uh, the Queensland guys, but announced today by the QRU that Logan City will be uh, brought into Queensland Premier Rugby in 2018. So it's a couple of years away, but they want to make sure that uh, they will spend a bit of time working with them to develop that. But that's huge. Logan City's one of our big growth corridors, guys. It's um, it's kind of like your Western, Western cities. So long overdue, a lot of quality players from that area, including uh, one Waratah, Israel Falau. So let's hope we see plenty more Israels running around in Queensland Premier Rugby in a few years' time. I can tell you what, we, my boys have played them in junior rugby and there's uh, some actual superstars. We played one under 10 team who is close to the best team rugby team I've ever seen play. They're phenomenal. So let's hope awesome. those guys come through the system in a few years' time. Um, look, that's going to pretty much wrap us up. Gents, it's been a, a fascinating show. Great um, to have Blocker Dutton as part of it. Um, thanks to you, Matt, for your uh, your participation once again. No worries, Matt. Anytime. And to Mr. Cavill, we'll let you get back to your chores. <laughs> it's about 3 a.m. now, Reg. I'm, I'm just ready to go to bed, but uh, <laughs> Mate, pleasure as always. Whereas I've got the night ahead of me and my curtains are looking beautifully up here in Queensland. <laughs> so. um, and once again, thanks to Bobus in the booth. Uh, great job uh, connecting that all happening there with Blocker and those audio clips. So to everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, keep an eye on the blog and uh, make sure you enjoy the blog. Get out there and enjoy breakfast weekend.